1: Hello, Serie A fan. A challenging week for Italy's Champions League contenders. Lazio, decimated by coronavirus. Juve, decimated by Barcelona. Atalanta, climb a mountain against Ajax, but Conte's happy with a 0-0 draw for Inter. We discuss all the European action and take a look forward to the weekend in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. It's a Thursday night and I'm here in the virtual studio with two good friends and three good beers. We're going to be chatting about how the Italians got in Europe this week, as well as previewing the pick of the weekend fixtures, plus honourable, dishonourable mentions as usual. But first of all, Kenny, how are you? you looking forward to the weekend?
2: Yeah, I am. I am. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Some good good fixtures coming up, so uh, looking forward to discussing them as well. Good stuff.
1: And uh, you've got yourself a nice graphical Scottish beer.
2: I have. I have. I've come back to the Northern Hemisphere this time. I've got a Tempest Brewing Company, Dios Mio. It is a six percenter, so I'm veering into Boaz territory here. But uh, the main reason I bought it is because it's a jalapeno and lime IPA, which uh, sounded weird to me. But I'm going to crack it open now and give it a go, and I'll let you know what I think.
1: be interested to know if it's spicy. It
0: sounds like my bag.
2: I can't. I can't taste the jalapeno.
0: Boo, boo, shame. It's nice.
2: It tastes like a nice IPA. I can't even really taste the lime. Oh, I can taste lime now a bit.
0: False advertising.
2: That's yeah, good. It's good. It's quite nice.
1: Good. All right, bars. We're intrigued. Bars just uh, come on camera holding a bag of ice, and uh, he's got a surprise beer for us.
0: So. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine uh, bought me this beer. I'm not sure why he thought it uh, would be a good fit for me. I'm slightly offended, but it could be interesting. It's called uh, a brew, and apparently it's got uh, THC in it. So, um, oh wow! It's uh, fresh, craft, unfiltered, a lot of energy. So I'm going to be full on for this episode, and I'm going to taste it now as well.
2: I can taste the jalapeno now, by the way. Just an update Ooh. on that front.
0: <laughs> what have you got, Oscar?
1: I've got a good one actually. I've got it's it's brewed in Finland, but it's uh, brewed by a Swedish-speaking Finnish company called Malmgard. Um, and it's something called Kuningatar Sour. Uh, and it's from Kuningatar Jam, which is the Queen's Jam. And it's like a mix of blueberry and raspberry. Interesting. Um, so yeah, it's kind of fruity, but quite enjoying it. It's a solid 5%, so what bars would call a weak one.
0: <laughs> I just had a swig of this uh, can of brew, and um, I think it falls into the novelty category for sure. It tastes very weird. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's crack on with the football. Um, so, first, I think we, we need to start with Juventus. Obviously, had a very disappointing, <clears throat> a very disappointing result against a kind of second-string Barcelona team. Murata had the ball in the net three times, each time ruled out for offside. Do you think Ronaldo would have made the difference in this one?
0: First of all, a player of uh, Ronaldo's quality always makes the difference. Having said that, a team with Juventus's pedigree shouldn't need to rely on their one star to win a home game in Europe. And overall, I think um, Juventus's tactical approach was very disappointing. And uh, we were discussing before we were recording that uh, of all years, this was the year where Barça were there for the taking. They're kind of a—they've just lost the derby. They're kind of a club in transition with a lot of. Uh, craziness going off the field and yet uh, Juventus managed to out-crazy them in this game. I understand that there's a serious caveat with Ronaldo, as you mentioned, missing and also the leaked and Chiellini. But at the same time, the way Pirlo put out the team, I felt was maybe slightly too offensive. There's no shame in putting a well-balanced team out if that this is the personnel you have. And uh, the way Juve were out on the field, just seemed like, uh, you know, Barca cut them up like butter. And to be honest, I didn't see Kulusevski much. I didn't see Chiesa much at all. And these, I understand, they're again, they're young players. They're probably the future of Juventus. But when uh, there's a big game at home on the horizon, you you expect someone to put in uh captain's performance to show some balls, so to speak. And for me, at least, Juventus seriously liked balls yesterday.
1: Fair enough. (laughs) Do you think Pirlo is going to learn from this? I guess it's his first kind of big test in Europe. Uh, And it could have been worse, like 2-0 against a Barcelona team. You mentioned their issues, but obviously with the uh, personnel missing at Juve, there are issues there as well.
0: I think, uh, first of all, it has to be said that the penalty that was given at the end against Bernadette was outside of the area. So yes, the score of 2-0 with a kind of a strange penalty and by the way how strange is it when you ever get those penalties, these decisions <laughs> given against them having said that you've uh, barcelona had several chances and uh i think uh juventus didn't take a single shot on target throughout the whole game which again i mean i've said this three times but they were playing at home this is their territory and kind of barcelona came in and pissed in all four of the corners
2: i actually thought that the the had continued into the box i know it started outside but uh i just wanted to mention mention very quickly that the commentators uh when on the channel i was watching it on uh here in the uk the commentators when they were watching the replay you could hear them trying not to giggle in the background that's just how pathetic but <laughs> navdesky's challenge was so you don't you don't hear that very often
1: yeah and just kind of more broadly on on pierlo we've sung his praises on this podcast many times but he's got a big task ahead of him, hasn't he? What do we think is kind of minimal, minimum acceptable achievement in Europe this year?
0: I think, paradoxically, even though Sari was sacked despite winning the title, I think Pirlo will probably be given a little bit more time. We did say this about Sari as well, to be fair. But I think Pirlo has uh, kind of this Juve DNA that they've made up. He fits their whole uh, general scheme, the way the team is set up. And he's less of a tactician, more of a man-management kind of guy. Um, Having said that, if he continues being so dogmatic and sticking to his one way of playing football, uh, he's going to run into trouble because, of course, we're we're talking about um, Juve Barca at the moment, but there was also a draw at home versus Verona last weekend where, again, they failed to shine. And again and again, he's saying there's a lot of new players in the team. There's a lot of youngsters. But the team that played yesterday, uh, most of them have got... 50 plus games in the champions league under the belt
2: just for my my tuppence worth i have no doubt that Pirlo will become uh, a great manager whether or not he's given the time to do that at Juve, i don't know but i think he's got to have a little bit longer before people start asking whether he continues there or not for this season and if we want
0: to look at the glass half full for a little bit um i think morata despite having those three goals this loud, i think he's getting into the right positions and uh, you know this is right now he's five centimeters or ten centimeters offside, but tomorrow he might be five centimeters onside. And he's he's making the right runs. He seems to be um, the right striker for the for this uh, tactic. So at least on that front, you've uh, have got it right so far.
1: Absolutely, you won't be able to call him Alvaro Morata anymore if he uh, managed to check his run a little bit better. Um, but anyway, uh, sort of regardless of, and I think you're right, Kenny. I, not suggesting that we should be calling for his head. He's obviously brilliant for the brand and um, really has the club DNA. Brilliant for the brand. Brilliant brilliant for the Juventus brand, the the new logo and the lovely that we discussed last week. (laughs) Um, But regardless of how they do get on in Europe, surely they need to improve their Serie A form, right? They're facing Spezia on Sunday, whose form has improved a little bit after a poor start. Do you think there's a chance they might struggle
0: here, Baz? I think spezia have surprised us a little bit with their five points in five games so far after the first two games we we thought they were going to get thrashed or at least i thought they were going to struggle to even get 15 points but uh, manager vinnie italian has been doing the right job and and, um and ultimately they've uh, got some great results including their 2-2 draw with parma which they seriously risked winning and in their previous game, they also drew with a great chance towards the end. Again, if we are just if we were betting men, I would probably not bet on Spezia, because they're playing Juventus after all. But uh, we've seen stranger things happen, and especially this season.
2: And they also have uh, COVID cases of of their own as well. Um, I think uh, Ehrlich is the the latest to be. Uh, self-isolating, but they they go into this off the back of a 2 0 win in uh, Coppa Italia against, albeit against Cittadella. But uh, yeah, it just helps the momentum keep going.
1: Yeah, of course, no advantage for the teams that weren't playing in Europe, no rest this week because most of them had midweek games in the Coppa Italia. So anyway, moving on to one of the other teams that was playing in the Champions League this week, Inter, who faced Shakhtar in Kiev on Tuesday night. They were hoping to put the uh, Monch and Black game behind them. Uh, but it turned out to be another <laughs> frustrating night ending in a, a nil-nil draw. Uh, Conte said that Inter were unlucky not to win this game. Do you think that's
2: fair, Kenny? Uh, I think they were. Yeah, they, they, it's fair that there was a, a bit of bad luck, but it was a combination, really, of uh, bad luck, uh, wonderful uh, young goalkeeper, 19-year-old uh, Trubin, uh, and wastefulness, really. Uh, Lukaku, Vidal, and mostly Lautaro missing wonderful uh, opportunities but uh, yeah, on the on the bad luck, uh, what what an effort from Barella! What technique involved in that uh, in that shot that rattled rattled the bar? So I mean, yeah, they, they were a bit unlucky, but um, also you know they can blame themselves as well.
1: Okay, uh, and um, let's talk about the supposed penalty uh, not given on Lukaku. Were they unlucky there? Um, would have made the difference in the match was it the correct decision
2: I don't think it was the correct decision. I think it probably was uh i think it probably was a penalty um especially when you see the the penalty that was given against uh patrick in the in the lazio game it was almost almost an identical uh tackle basically just he had his arms around him didn't he, uh, Bondar? But uh, yeah, I mean, we've also seen them not given, so I I wasn't shocked to see it not given, but um, it it probably was a penalty. Anyway,
1: um, next up for Inter is Parma at the San Siro. Challenging and pretty mixed season for Parma so far, but they go into this after a 3-1 win over Pescara in the Coppa Italia midweek. We mentioned that those games have been going on. Uh, Can they use that as a catalyst to push on, perhaps starting on Saturday?
2: Yeah, I guess uh, to a certain extent. Again, um, as, as I said before, this is a team in a lower division, albeit City of B, uh, rather than City of Chi. But um, they, they do also have that last gasp draw um, that they got against uh, Spezia that, that Boas mentioned there. So that will hopefully give them a little bit of uh, encouragement. It has It has been a mixed season for them. So far, they've they've beaten Verona, but then they've lost to Udinese. Uh, they've also had, uh, as we've discussed on previous pods, they've had their own uh, COVID situation to contend with as well. And as Liverani said in the in the week, um, they've also got a lot of new players to to bed in. Uh, and as he he mentioned, a lot of them still don't understand Italian. So big big challenges. Um, I don't know that there's this story that Boaz mentioned to us that Lukaku's now uh, are injured until next week, so perhaps that's a bit of a, a glimmer of hope for them. But yeah, it's still I still expect Inter to to come away with all three points from this.
1: Yeah, and um, it's a bit of a disaster if they don't really, isn't it? I mean, we're not going to see happy Conte uh, if they fail to get all three points. Let's put it that way.
2: No, no, absolutely not. Um, it does have to be pointed out, though. I mean, when I first saw this, uh, I first saw this fixture, I was like, well, that's one they have to win. They can't afford to because, you know, we're, we've all spoken about the points that Inter have dropped, but they're, they're only, I think, three points off uh, top of the table now, and we're only five games into the season. So I'm not sure if I'd classify it as a must win, but certainly, you know, these are the games that they have to, they have to be winning if they want to seriously put up a, a challenge.
1: Sure. Okay, that's probably enough on Inter. Let's move on to Lazio, who are also playing in the Champions League this week. A bit of a disappointing result for them. They let a lead slip in a 1-1 draw with Club Brugge. On the other hand, they're still top of the group after two games. Uh, so what do we think? Could they do some damage in this competition, Bers?
0: Lazio travelled to Belgium with a serious caveat where they had uh, 12, squad players, 12 senior squad players missing for, for COVID reasons. With that in mind, the the away draw is a very good uh, result. Having said that, um, at least I felt from what I saw that Lazio maybe could have dared a little bit more. They went ahead with a really neat goal from uh, from Joaquin Correa.
2: That was
0: lovely, wasn't it? It was a really nice uh, passage and the XG for that goal was very very low. So it apparently, it didn't seem that hard for me, but according to the stats, it's not an easy goal to score. But then they were caught by a stupid penalty given away by Patrick that uh, Kenny mentioned earlier. To make matters worse, Patrick then went off with nausea at the beginning of the second half. And the squad, uh, the Lazio, gave debuts to some youngsters as a result. So overall, not bad at all. And uh, considering they beat uh, Dortmund in the first game of the group, this puts them in a good position. But I would have hoped for them to maybe get another goal.
1: Yeah, and we, we have said a couple of weeks ago, Lazio never really got going again um, after lockdown. So definitely their defensive consistency seems to have disappeared a bit. Um, obviously, with the caveat that you, you mentioned, they've had players out. But on the other hand, they do seem to have found a bit more attacking fluency. It was maybe absent before. How much can we just put this down to simply uh, immobilize form, or has there been a, a bit of a sh- tactical shift?
0: So ironically Immobile was missing in Bruges this week um again it, I think he's got covid but uh in any case um until until this weekend this midweek round of fixtures it felt to us like Lazio were coming back uh, there was a couple of really good performances and uh the free flowing football was working well and we, again I mentioned it a little bit earlier but the win against Dortmund particularly was uh Inzaghi outfoxing his uh, counterpart and uh, really like drawing the Dortmund uh, defense out before hitting them on the break. So lovely stuff all together. But obviously, we saw it at the end of last year where without a couple of key personnel, the, the squad struggled. And again, without all these players for this game, it makes sense that the game was a bit stop start.
2: I think particularly worrying for for Lazio um uh, because we 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 all said at the start of the season they didn't really seem to have done much in the in the transfer market especially for a team playing the in the Champions League and to have this hanging over them now they could be expected to be playing back-to-back games for the next couple of weeks with um a lot of their star players I, I mean Immobile Luis Alberto wasn't wasn't there either for this one so um, I think I would be worried if I was a Lazio fan.
1: Yeah, um, sure. Although I don't think they've got too much to worry about this weekend. They faced Torino, still haven't won a game this season. Uh Kenny said at the start of the season they could well go down. Um, I mean he was right, wasn't he, Boaz?
0: I hope they don't because I have a soft spot for Bellotti, but the way it's gone thus far, it's uh not been great. They've managed to score a lot of goals. They've been in the game for most of the game most of the games they've played. But when it comes down to results, the results haven't been great, as we mentioned. Time is clearly running out for John Paolo. And once more, like his experience at Milan, this is a manager who plays a certain type of football and is very, very fixed to his uh, ideology. And the players that Torino brought in, as well as the players that were already there, probably aren't an amazing fit for this kind of football.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because... um... He was sacked after seven games at Milan, wasn't he? And he actually won three of them. He's currently uh, five games, was it four losses and a draw? Things need to, need to improve, certainly. All right, let's move on to Atalanta. Lodeo were, of course, the other Serie A side, the final Serie A side in Champions League action as they hosted Ajax. A uh, bit of a special night for Atalanta in many ways, this one, wasn't it, Kenny?
2: Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, it was the first ever Champions League game to be played in Bergamo. They obviously played in the Champions League last season, but they were playing at San Siro. Um, they completely raced against time to get the stadium ready last year. They they thought that they might get the go ahead and uh, they were denied uh, this year. They've made huge changes to to the ground. So the first Champions League game there, and it was really poetic for them to be facing Ajax, which is in in many ways uh, kind of has provided a blueprint for um, what Atalanta do. Uh, not just in terms of you know the the scouting network and the excellent youth system, the emphasis on on youth, but also in uh, Gasparini's Gasperini's play. Um, I, I think he's even said himself that the the uh, Ajax's total football of the or total you can pronounce this better than I can, Oscar. But total football in English uh, of the the sixties and seventies uh, was a big inspiration in uh, Gasperini's coaching. So yeah, just really nice. It, it, they couldn't have asked for a better a better opponent to to come up against. Uh, they probably would have wanted three points um, before the game, but the way things panned out, they were probably quite happy to to go away with a point
0: if you had a time machine and you went back to say the 70s and you you were to tell someone hey you know ajax are going to go toe-to-toe with uh, atalanta in bergamo they'd look at you like you were mad
1: yeah so it was nice to see the interview i was just going to mention with hataboa i think you flagged to us Kenny, i did certainly <laughs> seemed somewhat starstruck. um anyway um on paper it looked like a bit of a heroic comeback for atalanta become a bit of a feature um of the way they play, and not just this season, conceding early, leaving themselves a bit of a challenge to pull it back. Uh, they didn't manage it the weekend, but back on brand on Tuesday, Kenny.
2: Yeah, um, I actually thought Atlanta actually started this game quite well. It was a great game for the first uh, half an hour. It was end-to-end stuff. Um, but yeah, then uh, Ajax obviously got the the penalty for the the high foot uh, from, from Gozins. And after that, they they turned the screw. Really, the Atalantas were. It was basically backs to the wall stuff from then on, pretty much until half halftime. Uh, and uh, Ajax obviously got their second with that. Um, at first, I thought it was a horrible spill from Sportiello, but um, turned out uh, that actually the the ball had kind of ricocheted before it got to him. But yeah, like you said, back on brand, second half, uh, Zapata in particular had, had a great game and it was very much a, a different story. They they clicked, they pressed much better um, and Sportiello even redeemed himself with two two great saves.
1: Yeah. And, and how good was Zapata actually? In the media, it was painted as a bit of a kind of one-man rescue job. Was, was that fair?
2: Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say it was a one-man rescue job, but he was absolutely excellent. Uh, just his strength, his speed, his intelligence, and what a what a finish! Uh, well, what a finish for the first goal—just textbook header into the ground. But that second one, where it was a, a counter attack, and he seemed to take an age, and you just thought it was one of those ones where he's had too much time to think about it. He's going to miss it, but instead, he just absolutely rocketed it uh, in from. Uh, the edge of the, the goalkeeper's uh, area. Yeah, he was great. He was great.
1: And uh, they face Crotone this weekend down the bottom with Torino. Uh, obviously, hesitate to call any game easy, but a um, like, bit of a kind one for Atalanta.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Although uh, Crotone did pick up a point against Juve. It happened to be the the only point they've picked up uh, to date. They've had big defeats uh, elsewhere.
0: Everybody picks up points against Juve right now. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, fair point, fair point. But yeah, they've. Uh, had big defeats to Cagliari, Sassuolo, and uh, Genoa. And interesting point on this one, I would say, is that uh, surprising, surprisingly to me, uh, the two worst defenses in Serie A statistically this season. Uh, with uh, 12 conceded and 15 conceded. But unfortunately for Crotone, they're up against the the second best attack uh, with Atalanta (laughs) scored 15. So yeah, you'd like to think that this isn't going to be another slip up from them in the league.
1: That's kind of all we've got time for in this part. We're going to come back and talk about all the Europa League teams and uh, the Genova Derby in the second part. Uh, Just before we wrap up, a few. Honorable and dishonorable mentions. Uh, Kenny, you're up first for Immobile.
2: Yeah, so this this was because I forgot to mention him in, in our mini episode on on Monday. It was actually um, Immobile became the Lazio's second top scorer of all time and the highest uh, goal scorer of the the post-war period at the weekend, and uh, he he managed to to overtake Beppe Signori, who was at Lazio for five years and was seen as a goal machine. Uh, I think Boaz mentioned that on a, a previous episode. But it took Signori five years to to get to that total, and uh, Immobile has done it in just, just over four. So, yeah, honourable mention to him.
1: We should stop criticising him for not scoring enough for Italy, maybe. Possibly. Uh, Boaz, <laughs> you wanted to mention Moise Kane.
0: Yeah, uh, we... With- we about Moise Kane at the beginning of the season and we said uh, that this move to PSG was kind of a last chance saloon for him and that um, especially under Ancelotti we expected him to do better at, at uh, Everton and uh, he's he's doing well for PSG which is great news. He scored two on the, in the midweek in the Champions League against the Turkish champions FC Erdogan and um, he also scored... Uh, in the midweek the previous weekend so uh it's going well for him and let's hope that he continues playing and that he plays above Icardi who also we we deserve to give uh dishonorable mention we forgot about this altogether but uh following the derby uh Icardi's wife infamous wife uh tweeted that without her love Inter never win the derby and congratulations to all my Milan friends so uh wow well done to her
1: Indeed, and uh, on the topic of dishonourable mentions, my favourite kind of dishonourable mention. can you tell us what Ronaldo's been up to.
2: Oh, this isn't so much a dishonourable mention for for Ronaldo. It's more an honourable mention for uh, who is reportedly a leading virologist, uh, Roberto Burioni. So, um, uh, Ronaldo, after his his uh, positive. COVID test uh, prior to the, the Barca game, uh, was on Instagram and uh, put something down saying PCR, which is, you know, the COVID testing uh, gets PCR is bullshit, uh, to which uh, Borioni replied, I-, I welcome into the growing network of virologists our colleague Cristiano Ronaldo. He'll be very useful in the upcoming game against the inoculators. Uh, which I thought was a very good uh, put down. But then uh, even better than that was that this got picked up by the media so much so that they then went on and asked Pavel Nedved about it, who just said, all I'm going to say really is that Ronaldo is very frustrated at the moment that he's not able to, to get in there and do his thing. And I think in, in Ronaldo's uh, defense, uh, that's fair enough, really
1: lovely stuff or maybe you can join Zlatan in his uh, fight against Covid uh, anyway that's all we've got time for in part one we'll be right back
2: hello Serie A fan make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix subscribe now on Apple Podcasts Spotify or your favourite listening platform and follow us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at ScudettoPod we'd love to have you on the squad
1: Hello and welcome back. In this part, we'll discuss the rest of the teams that are playing in Europe and look ahead to the Derby of the Lantern. But first, a beers update. Kenny, how's it going down? You promised us a rating by the second half.
2: It's good. It's good. I've got like a constant spice. I feel like this is karma for saying that I couldn't taste the jalapeno. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's quite strong. Might affect my performance in the second half.
1: Maybe we'll have to... uh... Might make it better. Let you give the rating in <laughs> the morning, perhaps. <laughs> um, how about you, Buzz? Are you feeling energetic?
0: Yeah, I'm buzzing right now. Um, I think this is kind of false advertisement, but uh, I wouldn't know what cannabis is supposed to do to you, so m- maybe this is the effect <laughs> I'm expecting.
1: <laughs> Good stuff. This is this is very nice. It's quite sour, though. I think I'd struggle to drink uh, more than a couple. All right. So first up, Milan. Uh, Milan have just won three nil in their Europa League fixture. Um, but first, we do have to talk about the game on Monday, Boaz. Uh, we watched this one together, and I think both agreed that Milan probably deserved the points, but the game was somewhat derailed by some strange penalty decisions, wasn't it?
0: I think it was worth moving the pod for that game. Fireworks. I'd said before that I wanted lots of goals, and maybe I should be careful what I wish for. Uh, <laughs> free, free fantastic advert for Serie A except it wasn't because the referee uh, decided to put the spotlight on himself and kind of took the flow out of the game even before the penalty decisions were made and then there's two penalty decisions that are kind of farcical if you ask me and actually if you ask anybody the first one he's completely made up Benacer who's really a fantastic midfielder and with all the spotlight being on Tonali right now, Benassé is showing that he's the guy that uh, Milan can rely on. But in any case, uh, he gets to the ball first, and even Pedro thinks he's fouled Benassé. But uh, for some reason, the ref saw a foul. And even worse, he, the VAR backed him up on this. And uh, a few minutes yeah. later, there is another fictional penalty where, I mean, Hakan goes down with, for the easiest of touches, and the ref is obviously compensating. But again, where's the VAR? The problem in modern football for me is not var per se but it's the way var is being interpreted you feel that for these decisions the var should be called up
1: yeah i mean i was watching the game with you obviously willing roma to get back into it but it's just an absolutely farcical decision as you say so i was just thinking not like this it doesn't feel satisfying and you're, you're absolutely right the ref just completely bowled it on the second one didn't he just just trying to make up for the earlier mistake
0: and as soon as that first penalty was given um the Milan players rightfully in my mind kind of lost their heads uh they were kind of agitated and then a few minutes later you, the Roman players were agitated and there that was it the game was kind of a stop start a lot of fouls a lot of uh needless uh, late tackles and for what is a game that ended free, free, free? We're we're here talking about uh, refereeing decisions and bad, uh, bad vibes.
1: Yeah, that said, I mean Milan retain their unbeaten run, and it's a good point for Roma. So uh, no one, I mean, before the game, nobody would have been too unhappy with a draw. I don't think.
0: I tend to agree, and uh, there is also some caveats we have to mention. Uh, keeper Tatar Rusanu's uh, debut for Milan unfortunately for him he was pretty rubbish but he Ouch. the first goal he flapped at uh cross kind of Edin Zeko was will, will find uh that was probably one of the easiest goals he'll score this year and i felt that the penalty decision that we spoke about earlier also if he doesn't spill the ball then there's no discussion whatsoever but instead he spills it into a very dangerous area and he gives that uh, he gives the referee that decision to make um overall he's a uh, He's uh, six foot four as far as I can tell. So I, I would have expected him to be a lot better on high balls, but uh, Chloe Beresford on Twitter shared uh, a review of uh, well uh, kind of a report for him playing for Romania quite a few years ago and it essentially was him flapping at crosses. So clearly he's got uh, press, he's got previous in this kind of in this regard. But it has to be said, in his defense, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, he was notified that he was going to be playing just a few hours before the game. And it can't be easy to be the number 12. It's probably the, one of the hardest positions in a football team.
1: Yeah, and in contrast to that, Mirante, uh, between the sticks at the other end, had an absolutely outstanding game. Probably a, a man-of-the-match performance. And, and for a goalkeeper to get a man-of-the-match performance in a free free, you know, it's, it's been a bit, of a bit of a mad one.
0: At the beginning of the season, there was a bit of a hoo ha about whether Mirante should play or Paul Lopez. And uh, I have to admit, I was a little bit surprised myself that Mirante got the nod. I, sh- I should uh, eat my words because he he was fantastic. He saved a couple of he saved a point blank uh, header from Casey. Overall, he had an amazing uh, game. And I think if you would swapped the two keepers round, Roma would uh, Milan would have won five one.
1: Okay, well Milan face Udinese this weekend? Do you think the, the record's in danger
0: for us? It would just be difficult to lose this incredible record against uh, Udinese side who have been pretty abysmal so far. I know they won on the mid, in the mid midweek in the Coppa Italia and De La Feo got a goal. So those are some positive signs from Udinese. But overall, I'm hoping that Milan keep this little run going a little bit longer. I actually initially thought with, that with the intense squad rotation going down this evening that uh, today might be the day where Milan kind of slight, kind of slip up the way Napoli did last week against uh, Alkmaar. They, it was pretty smooth sailing today. Um, Sparta weren't really at the races, probably because their league is shut down because of COVID reasons. But in either case, it was probably the easiest test that Milan have had all season. And I include the game against Shamrock Rovers in that list.
1: Yeah, and uh, Roma... Uh, in action tonight in the Europa League as well. They're playing CSK, Sofia. Uh, in fact, I think it's just finished nil-nil. haven't had a chance to watch it because we've been recording this podcast. We, we mentioned already Mirante, also Dzeko, um After his flirtations with Juve, seems to be back to his old self. scored a good goal in the derby, didn't he, Bears? In derby.
0: Sorry, not in the derby. In
1: the <laughs> game on Monday.
0: <laughs> I mentioned it earlier that uh, his header was one of the easiest goals he scored, but perhaps the Best thing to uh, highlight from Zeko's performance as a whole was how he was celebrating like a hooligan when the, the third goal went in. Uh, clearly, he enjoyed that, and it's nice to see that his heart is still in it. We're big fans of Zeko here, so uh, it's a shame he had to score against my team, but overall, if someone's got a score, I'm happy for it to be him. The derby between uh, you and me, Buzz. Yeah, this was the first derby in uh, the since we started derby. Scudetto. So, uh I won't be talking to Oscar until next weekend. But uh, <laughs> actually, if uh, I I shared with our Twitter audience the text that were going on be- between our personal group, where I was uh, losing my head about the penalty decision and b- being really unprofessional. So, uh, but this is me being <laughs> this is my uh, professional side talking now.
1: Very good, uh, Roma. Anyway, face Fiorentina uh, at the weekend uh Fiorentina didn't start too well do appear to have turned a bit of a corner don't they Kenny
2: Well uh they've won two games in a row uh they still they still look very very shaky I, I, and yes to to point out one of those was uh A. Padova in the uh, Coppa Italia uh, again they were 2-0 up at half time conceded a goal in the second half and uh did their best uh to let Padova back into it they're just like they're they're so I wouldn't even say inconsistent because that tends to be from game to game. They're they're inconsistent within games. I I really still I I say this every week, I fear for Yekini's job, but uh, <laughs> he really needs to start they really need to start getting it together. Um the players don't look confident. Um they they go in front and they seem to seem to all of a sudden get scared. Uh, it's been a recurring theme that they've taken the lead in in games. I mean, the Inter game was probably the most high profile, high profile one of the, of those. But um, it's certainly not been the the only time it's happened in the you know the very few games that we've had already this season. Um, they're also probably probably going to be without Ribery uh, in this in this game. Um, he's dealing with his usual muscular injuries. Uh, as uh, last time I. I checked uh, earlier on today. Uh, there was no word on whether he's expected to to be fit, but they need someone to stand up. Uh, they've got they've had Castrovilli stand up, but um, he can't do it by himself.
1: And uh, any other points worth discussing on Fiorentina before we move
0: on? I just think I, I do want to say that uh, in any other weekend, and particularly this weekend, where perhaps the matchups are a little bit less spectacular this would probably be the game of the week. However, there's another match this week that, that looks a lot better, at least on paper.
1: Yeah, should we talk about that one then? Uh, Napoli Sassuolo is going to be the most fun game of the weekend.
2: Before we do that, can I just very quick mention very quickly mention that Biragi and Castrovilli have just been tied down to long-term contracts at uh, Fiorentina.
1: <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm done after that. You can you can move on.
1: Well, can you tell me if Napoli and Sassuolo is the most fun game of the weekend?
2: Yes. I'm, I'm going to do
0: it again and I'm going to hope for a lot of goals and ho- and hopefully um, I'll make it happen again.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's De Zerbi against Gattuso, isn't it? I don't think anyone, even after his time at, at, at Milan, uh, retrospectively, he actually did a very good job when you see what happened uh, after Gattuso left, but I don't think anyone really expected... Gatuzo to be the manager of a, a team like this, uh, and what a job is doing at sassuolo I think every week I say what a job is doing, and we don't really speak about them that much. It's something that we have to we have to do. But they had, yeah, another incredible uh game at the weekend where they were three one down in the in the fog uh on the Friday night with uh seemingly the game beyond them and uh yeah, it was Vlad Kirakez who scored an absolute stunner of a goal from uh, all of about 30, 30 yards. Uh, and then
0: That was one of my biggest regrets from the mini-episode we did on Monday that we forgot to mention that wonder goal in the,
1: in the fall. Because we couldn't really see it, I think, was the main problem. <laughs> yeah. <for> the problem. <laughs> right about it, it was because very of
2: the foggy. <laughs>
1: uh, but, yeah, Kenny, as you say, I mean, they currently sit in third. They're unbeaten so far this season. Should we really have been hyping them as the outside title contenders rather than Atalanta?
2: personally, I don't think they're gonna challenge for for the title, but I think possibly they could spring an Atalanta and if a few of the teams up at the top don't pull their socks up and I'm actually looking at uh Atalanta here, and I'm looking at Juventus and even to a certain extent Inter, then
1: happily <laughs> who they're playing this
2: weekend. Yeah, but Napoli don't need to pull their socks up. Napoli are doing just fine, aside from the the four points dropped to the uh, to the coronavirus. <laughs> but- Napoli
0: had uh, an unfortunate hiccup in Europe last week, but um, I can see now that they beat Sociedad today. The game just literally just ended. In any case, they've won every single game they've been involved with, except for that infamous Juventus game so far, and uh, they've scored goals galore. So Napoli are hungry. And um, Sassuolo's defense is quite open, so this is going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, and to finish right. my thought, I think they could finish in the they they could have a shot at finishing, certainly in Europe. And who knows uh, the way the season goes? Maybe even in the in the Champions League spots.
0: Crazy talk, right.
2: It is crazy talk, but who knows? It's a crazy season.
1: I'll remind you of that in a couple of weeks' time. Right, let's uh, move on to our last featured game, uh, some Doria versus Genoa, um, reliably informed, is referred to as the Derby of the Lantern due to the the lighthouse in the the port. Um, So Burr's was worried about Sam at the start of the season. Um, Seems that worry was maybe a bit misplaced, Kenny. They've been really impressive recently, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I think everyone was a bit worried. Uh, They finished last season relatively uh, strongly. Uh, There was a a period where they looked like they were going to get dragged. Well, quite a lot of the season, they looked like they were going to get dragged into uh, the relegation fight. And then Ranieri came in, steadied the ship a little bit, uh, and they were never really in danger towards the end of the season. But at the start of the season, it looked like they were kind of... Back to, back to their old ways uh, a bit. Uh, but yeah, I saw them at the weekend against Atalanta and I was hugely, hugely impressed. They were so, so organized. They defended uh, really doggedly and really organized uh, as, uh, as a, an entire team uh, and then sprung on the break. Were really, really, really effective doing that uh, and very, very clinical in front of goal and Qualiarella as well has now scored in four consecutive Serie A games. So, yes, uh, they, they're they looking good.
1: Genoa, on the other hand, somewhat of the opposite form. Haven't won since week two. Uh, but there's some good news for them off the pitch, isn't there, Burs?
0: Yeah, Genoa have been in the news for this season for all the wrong reasons. After starting with a fantastic 4-1 win at home, they've mostly been spoken about because of the 20-plus COVID cases that they brought to Napoli with them. Other than that, it's been a v- pretty disappointing season. Uh, they currently sit at 15th. They lost in the last round as well. So so I think that uh, Sampdoria probably best placed in this derby, but then of course it's a derby and all the, for- the form book goes out the window, as they say. Uh, but we were doing uh, pre-pod recordings in the last summer, and we were speaking about how Genoa were very lucky to still be in Serie A. I haven't seen anything from them to suggest that they have improved in any way. And right now, the only reason they're 15th is because there are a few poorer teams below them.
2: Yeah, worth mentioning on, on Genoa that they are actually COVID-free. Um, so uh, that's very, very encouraging. But uh, unfortunately, Zapacosta came back after being out on the, on the COVID list and immediately got injured in uh, training. So he's going to miss the, the derby.
1: Terrible luck um, for him. But as you say, good news that uh, the rest of the squad is back to health. I think that's all we've got time for on the featured games. Uh, we'll round up with a few honourable and dishonourable mentions. A dishonourable from me to Nicola Rizzoli, who is the head referee in Serie A. Um, we said we weren't going to give any dishonourables to referees, but he's retired now. Um, I think his official title is the commissioner or, or something similar to that. Um, despite the complaints we all had about the referees in the uh, in the Milan-Roma game, uh, just just thought he, he deserved a dishonourable for publicly criticising and suspending them. So I, I don't think the way to go is the public humiliation of the officials when clearly there are some issues with the systems.
0: Fair comment. They should be hanged, drawn and quartered instead. <laughs>
1: That's the variety of views that we bring you on this podcast. <laughs> well, but only when they make mistakes against Milan, of course. Kenny, you wanted to give a dishonorable to Camisa.
2: Oh, yeah. It sounds like he's uh, been accosted uh, by reporters and thrown his, thrown his toys out of the pram. I think Boaz probably has uh, the, the, actual, uh, the actual statement that, that he made. But basically, I've had enough uh, of you guys. Uh, you can't get any peace. Uh, I'm moving back to the States. Uh, or something like that
0: <laughs> i'm I'm criticized too much when i'm here <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was saying this earlier but it, it seems to me that um these uh american owners when they come to say yeah they they kind of bring some sort of uh hollywood uh experience to the whole thing whereas if you look at the owners of the big franchises in america they're all pretty they keep to their lane so I'm not sure what's going on here, but uh, Comiso is always in the headlines. <laughs> and I think and I think, um, not, not if I were to be the kind of guy who's keeping a table of all the honourable and dishonourable mentions that happen in this podcast. <laughs> if you were. Maybe if I was that guy, then I think Comiso is the first person to get two dishonourable mentions so far in the season. So he's ahead, at least in this.
1: All right. Thanks, guys. That's definitely what we've got time for. Um, obviously, it was a bit of an experiment for us going out later in the week and uh, with more focus on the European Games. So please do let us know what you think about that. You can contact us on Twitter at Scudessopod. Uh, either way, we'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the football
2: campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del
0: 2008 l'Inter è campione d'Italia, sedicesimo scudetto